please, for the sake of all things that are holy, when they inquire, send them to a separate thank you page or set up a Google tag in Google Tag Manager, a trigger that is a form submission trigger that tells you that a form was submitted. A lot of people use WordPress and contact form seven and don't reroute to a thank you page. So it just has a little pop-up that says, thank you, your message was received, which is PS so unsatisfying to everybody. Um, but there's no way to track how many people are visiting your inquiry page um, and not inquiring and how many people have actually inquired. So you need to set up a thank you page goal in Google Analytics. Again, you're a Google search away from understanding how to do that. Um, it, or you set up a, a form submission tag in Google Tag Manager because you need to understand if people are converting. You know, the main aspect of being a success in your business is actually selling your service. Who would have thought? When it comes to videos, whether you're doing weddings, company profiles, corporate work, or ads, the fastest way to sell is to draw emotion from the viewer. It doesn't matter how good your shot or how epic the setting is. It'll be no match from the power of audio. The clear audio and music are the keys to telling and selling a story. For us, and a lot of people in my industry, the best source for high-quality music is none other than Musicbed. Musicbed has a highly curated roster featuring hundreds of artists, bands, and composers. As a Wedding Video Boss listener, you can get your first month of subscription free or 20% off of a single song purchase. Just enter the promo code, no space, Wedding Video Boss when you check out. Now you could call yourself a savant, a master storyteller, or whatever the heck you need to say to make yourself different. Remember, use the promo code Wedding Video Boss or click on the link in the notes. Welcome to the Wedding Bossness Podcast, where we talk about the business of being a wedding creative. Bossness is defined as the epic act of proving your doubters wrong by doing everything right. I coined that think I coined it. If this is your first time listening, this podcast is for you, the small business owner who wants to turn their passion into profit, the late bloomer that everyone already wrote off, that boss who wants to try something different, diversify, but has been receiving nothing but resistance. I'm with you. It's hard, especially when the biggest obstacle for your success is yourself. That's why I didn't want to be that podcast just to bring you the inspiration. I want to bring you the tools for execution. Here we talk about the value that you'll bring to the table, how to actually turn an inquiry into a client. Yeah, everyone can shoot or decorate or coordinate or play music, but what makes you unique is you, that extra ingredient that sets you apart. And this podcast is here to enhance that. These guests bring something more. And their experience is not just based on theory. It's based on hard evidence. Numbers. Their topics may not be the sexiest because it's mostly back-end stuff. And they may not be well-known in your field because they represent other industries. But that's the beauty of it. These people are hand-picked and they have sterling reputations in their own areas to give you proven tools so that you can build your business the right way. 
I always believe that there's something to learn from someone in an unexpected place, and I want to be the one to close that gap for you. So if all this makes sense to you, welcome. Christy Osborne is here, and we are talking about Google Analytics for busy business owners. And when we come back, I'm diving right in. I'll play the intro so that you have time to grab a pen and paper. Intro is coming up in three, two, one. Hey, Christy. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited, just like what I told you earlier, because analytics for me in general is, I'm pretty sure people have seen me. I look very Asian, but <laughs> but I don't really enjoy numbers. So this is a, an absolute treat for me, just, just talking about this. Well, I'm excited to talk about it as well. I'm, I'm definitely in the mood to evangelize on analytics because I think it helps everybody make better decisions and not waste so much money because Lord knows I've, I've wasted a lot of money, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So we can talk about that. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's great. Well, not, not that's that great. great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad one of us thinks so. <laughs> um, actually, you know, I feel like when analytics came up, it, probably just was this this new thing that people just started putting money in and you know I, I feel like when 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 I started out no one was telling me what to do like what how to run my business and stuff so I feel like everyone's so lucky right now because they have people like you that they could go to and you know teach them in the best way possible because of your experiences so thank you thank you so much for for indulging me and being being in, on this show. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So before we start, I would love to know, I would love to tell the listeners, um, tell us something about yourself that they'd probably be surprised to know about. I'm not sure if they'd be super surprised, but a lot of people don't know. I've mentioned it a couple times, but it, not on podcasts, but a lot of people don't know that um, in college, uh, I got a perfect score in stats. Like I just understood it. I understood everything about it. I could do stats on my calculator, like my fancy calculator. And um, I was really encouraged to major in math. And the school I chose is a women's college in the San Francisco Bay Area. Had a fine math program, but not the best in the nation. And I didn't find it very challenging. Um, I've always had a mind for math. When I was a little kid, I'd do long division in my head to relax and go to sleep, like third grade. And, um, and so I decided to study history instead, because I was interested in history. And I found that kind of uh, qualitative research and writing to be really difficult. So um, instead of tackling a career in math, which I probably would have been making a bajillion dollars now if I had done that, I went into history, I got my master's degree, the economy tanked, and now here I am as a marketer. So <laughs> yeah, you said, uh, what year was that again? I graduated college in 2003. And oh, I graduated cool. grad school in 2008, August. Cool. 2008 2008 is the 
it's like a turning point for a lot of people. Oh my gosh. That year. And I was like, and I have a history degree. Oh, what a dumb dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I it's it's But it's, I was challenged. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's it's it it's it was a perfect storm for people to realize that you know, the it's something that is possible and that can happen again because you know people who study history or people who just when you look back you're you're gonna think like history that's the past so you don't really think it's gonna happen again but sure yeah. and there's no guarantee that you know if I went into math <laughs> and I got a job at a one of those like crazy web 2.0 startups and built their algor- algorithms for them there's no guarantee that I wouldn't have lost my job there as well so you know I just pivoted you know i luckily i have a really uh i have a mind that's really curious and i like solving problems and figuring out how to make things better and so i just you know went on my own path like a lot of us did found found the internet and hung up my shingle and the rest is history you know it's because of people like you that i talk to that really intimidates me as a business owner because (laughs) yeah that's the thing like um you know start when when I decided to get into wedding videography I I just like what I told you earlier I suck at business because you know I'm I'm a creative I feel like I my job is to create all these things but I always forget that oh man I need to be in business too I I need to like master business and you know so people when I meet like photographers who used to be engineers or architects or like you like it's so intimidating because i feel like they're more equipped in being a business owner in the long run than i am that's why i started the podcast because i'm like i i really need to talk to people who who are experts in you know these fields because i feel like it's not only gonna help me out but it's also gonna help my audience out so can i call a little bs on you (laughs) sure (laughs) i'll take that yeah i'll take i'll take the laugh as a yes um i am going to say no i am going to say anybody who starts a podcast right but especially uh you because we had a little bit of a pre-podcast conversation you have a natural curiosity about you and i believe that people that have a natural curiosity about about them, they will go far in whatever they put their minds to. So if it's business for you, it's gonna it's gonna pan out. The fact that you've set up a podcast where you can like pump people for information for free, I love <laughs> is that, nothing right? short of brilliant, right? <laughs> like it's nothing short of brilliant. And we're actually gonna talk when we talk about um, Google Analytics. Uh, it's less about being super good at math or super good at data or super good at stat. And it's a lot more about like how how deep can you um, how deep can you explore your own curiosity and and how can you start asking questions? You know, I want to say asking good questions, but what does that even mean? Just start asking questions, and if the answers come back in an unsatisfying way, answer them. You know, but it's really that um, that bend toward curiosity that I believe makes and breaks people in their businesses and careers. Thank you. Uh, just, just to you're right. I'm, I'm really, really curious. But 
I feel so bad for my wife because I'm curious every day and she, it stresses her out because I always go into different directions. So that's why I did the <laughs> podcast so that I don't have to talk to her about business. <laughs> and YouTube was invented for you, Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm just so happy that all of these outlets are here and I don't have to bother my wife anymore. <laughs> so now that we've... Uh, learned something about new about you i would love it if you tell us your origin story like how you started and what got you into the industry like a little yeah. bit more in depth i have kind of t two origin stories i have an origin story that that has to do with um the start of my curiosity about analytics and then i have like this oh my gosh i've got to figure this out or a lot of people's livelihood is on the line so um I got married in 2009, which seemed like a good idea since the economy tanked, right? So we got married in 2009. And this was 2007, 2008 was really this really rapid emergence of the wedding blogs. Uh, Style Me Pretty came on the scene, Green Wedding Shoes, Ruffled, Once Wed, like all the, the original bloggers. And I was just losing my mind, right? Like I was planning my wedding around you know, the inspiration from these bloggers, but also like, you know how people want Instagrammable weddings right now? I wanted a bloggable wedding. So I started this blog called The Hindsight Bride, which if you type in hindsightbride.com, it redirects to Mountainside Bride because I had to change my name because I'm in the mountain. Anyway, so I had my wedding and I started a wedding blog because what would, when you get married, really, there's only a, a couple of options. You become an influencer, you become a wedding planner, you become a wedding photographer, right? So I decided to become a blogger, which is now an influencer. And like a lot of bloggers, I set up a directory of wedding vendors. And I'm like, hey, you pay me money, and I'll publish things, and I'll have a directory, and it's all good. And uh, the vendor said, fine. You know, I've always really wanted to create some sort of quantifiable way to measure my success, probably because I'm chicken and I don't believe myself or my ideas. So I'm always like, how can I measure this? And uh, instinctively, I just started using something called click meter to not just measure if people were clicking on my directory, but I measured everything. I measured social media clicks. I measured you know, email clicks, I measured the difference between whether or not people were clicking to vendors on a blog versus the, the directory on my website, like, anytime somebody would have an interaction with a vendor who is paying me, I was measuring it in clicks. And I felt great. I was giving some reports every now and again, it wasn't super fancy, but I was feeling pretty good. And then about a year and a half in, I start getting these emails from vendors and they're like, you know, uh, I, I'm not really getting an ROI on my, on my spend with you. So I don't think I'm going to renew my, uh, you know, my contract with you. And I was like, what? And luckily I'd been measuring everything. So I went back into the analytics and I'm like, really, what did you do with the 2000 clicks that I sent to your website? Like, come on. I was usually sending hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of traffic to vendors' websites because the, at this time I was getting about a, a 125 sessions, used to be called page views in Google Analytics a month. So I was getting a lot of traffic. It was qualified. I had a thousand blog posts, you know, running. I was looking good. And they were like, no, you know, I've, I've, 
I've looked at my Google analytics and, you know, I'm getting some referrals for you, but they're not converting. And I'm like, well, that's not my problem that you can't like it. It's not my problem that your website's broken. It's not my problem that you can't close the sale. Like my job is to drive traffic to your website. And I got pushback from vendors and I was like, wow, you know, I really need to educate around this. Like what are, what are the, what's the process by which a potential client or a couple learns about you, makes a decision to look into you and research you, makes a decision to reach out to you via your inquiry form or DM on on Instagram, and then ultimately makes a decision after you do a consult with them to book you. And all of these steps are really separate. And the way that you measure each step is very different. So what I would find is a lot of vendors were compressing this whole process And they thought that just because somebody clicked on a blog post on Mountainside Bride and went to their website, that all of a sudden like manna would fall from heaven and they'd have all these clients without actually having to do some work to make sure that their website converts and do some work to make sure that they could close a sale. And so I started to pivot um, and my interest started to wander toward uh, educating and supporting vendors for Uh, doing what's called campaign tracking across the wedding planning journey. Meantime, I get a job at Mammoth Lakes Tourism in my hometown of Mammoth Lakes, California, because why wouldn't you? It's really fun. And I got to play with a million dollar budget. And the not fun part of it was the year that I started was the year of the great period of California droughts. And we're a ski area and the snow is not falling. And economically, we were in a really tight place. And I have all this money. I only started out with like a $465,000 direct marketing budget, but it did grow. And by the time I left there, I was helping to manage a $1.2 million direct marketing budget spend. Um, So I did, I was responsible for a lot of money. So here's the deal. All that money was taxpayer money. And if you want a lot of pressure to report on the ROI and the effectiveness of your advertising, spend seven figures on in taxpayer money on anything. <laughs> you oh really boy. have to prove to make it work. So what would happen is, you know, everybody's got an opinion about marketing in the world and tourism's no different. So, you know, I'm doing some of my best work in 2012. I start a YouTube channel. I have a robust video program with different types of video because I knew I knew the importance of video back in 2012 and I was not wrong and video is still important. I started a blog, you know, one of the first travel blogs. Um, I started an influencer and ambassador program. I had, um, you know, uh, all sorts of things going on. I segmented their email list and it didn't matter because all of my reporting was vanity metrics, right? It's like, well, we're getting this kind of traffic and this kind of this and this kind of that but people weren't sure if it was translating into heads and beds in that tourism perspective and, you know, how to track that. And so what would happen is people would email me and they'd be like, you know what you should do on Facebook? Cause Facebook was really big back in 2012. And I'm, and I'm like, screw you, you know, what you should do like grow your fan base to 30,000 in two years and then come and talk to me, but you can't do that with taxpayers. Right. So um, I started getting into um, really getting curious about testing ideas So instead of rejecting, uh, you know, stakeholders and taxpayers ideas, and this would go into my client work later in the wedding industry, um, I would say, okay, that's one idea. Here's my idea. 
let's set up a test and see who wins. And so then in, in addition to getting into like analytics, am I doing my job? Then I started getting into like testing. So can we optimize these campaigns? Can we optimize for conversion? Can we optimize for engagement? And the rest is really just history. I've just been living and breathing with a lot of my client work um, in that kind of uh, testing campaign setup and measuring throughout the wedding planning journey for the past couple of years. Man, that entire journey was just amazing because you, you pretty much set yourself up to be a linchpin in the industry. Like you're, you're so valuable. The, the experience that you have and the, the way that you acquired all these skills it's crazy. Like I, when I was starting out, two thousand eight, just like well, just like you, you know, you know, it's funny too. I got married in two thousand and nine. <laughs> so yeah, why wouldn't you? Right, yeah, well, the right. economy's tanking. It's the let's, perfect let, season. Let, let hope spring eternal. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I I never thought about any of this, and y that's why I feel like just like what I was say saying earlier, the the people who are starting out right now, or the people who have been in business or in the perfect situation because of what what information is out there and how you could acquire it. Because before, I'm pretty sure analytics before only you know, only like it's 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 so expensive to get analytics before. I feel like it's you know, just the numbers like I was talking to someone who worked for uh I think Time Warner cable or something and he was feeding the CFO before all these information, and that's what the CFO was using to talk to the the people in the stock market. And he was paying; he was getting paid a lot of money. So I'm just happy that these these things are accessible to just regular business owners. Is that right? It is accessible. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of data out there, um, and and we can talk a little bit about like how how to process it because you're right data used to be expensive it still is expensive like if you want to buy certain data um it can still be uh, expensive um or not like dun and bradstreet has some industry data i don't this isn't for videographers necessarily but sometimes when i'm working with hotels or caterers i'll, I'll pull a dun and bradstreet report and it's like 130 bucks and we'll give you sort of the state of the industry um, Shane McMurray from the wedding report, he does, oh man, that guy is so freaking smart. He is my spirit animal. When I met him, I was like, oh my gosh, you're so thinking smart. But he aggregates a lot of data from different sources like Bureau of Labor Statistics and census data and stuff like that. And he, um, he's only looking for data that's related to the wedding industry. And he has a pretty, it's a pretty cheap subscription. I think it's like 40 or 50 bucks a month. And basically you can re run reports on your, the competitive set, how, how, what percentage of your local industry is spending above a hundred thousand dollars, what percentage spends below $20,000. Um, I use the wedding report a lot to get like a sense of local industries. So data is cheap. But the, here's the trick about data. Data is actually inert by itself. So like just out there in internet podcasting land, I just want you to self-identify. You can you know, raise your imaginary hand if this is you. You've set up Google Analytics. You go in, you log in there, you see a whole bunch of numbers. 
they look good to you. You pat yourself on the back and you're like, I must be doing a good job. And you walk away from it. Yep. That's me. <laughs> There's nothing in Google, like Google analytics out of the box is super powerful and it can tell you a lot about the health of your website, but it cannot tell you anything. It's like a magic eight ball, right? Like you got to ask the question. So if you show up to your Google analytics account without a question, it's not going to tell you anything about your business. And oftentimes we assume everything looks good because you don't see a lot of red on the dashboard. <laughs> but if you don't ask Google Analytics a good question, it can't give you an answer. And if it can't give you an answer, you cannot take action to grow your business or fix any problems. So you're just showing up and looking at your Google Analytics and it's not doing anything for you. Oh, my gosh. I, I cannot wait to get into that. <laughs> so the point is, is data is cheap. A lot of data is free, but it's not going to make any, it doesn't matter how cheap or free data is if you're not going to use it to take action. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So be, so now that we're getting into it, um, I would love it if you tell, so what exactly is Google Analy Analytics, analytics in general, and why is it important for the people who don't know what it is? Yeah, so Google Analytics is obviously a Google product because it's called Google Analytics. And it's a little piece of code that you put on your website that will track certain things about your website. And the, the thing that people don't really tend to bother themselves with, the detail that people don't really bother themselves with, is that Google Analytics will tell you things like where your traffic is coming from. And they'll tell you a little bit of data about, you know, how people are moving through your site, but they don't really tell, the Google Analytics isn't really good at telling you exactly how people are using your website. So this can be really tricky for um, bloggers, for example, who um, need to know, are people reading my blog? And a lot of people will look at bounce rate for certain categories, like a blog category or a page or just the site in general. And they'll be like, oh, my bounce rate's really low. It must be good. But the way that Google defines bounce rate is that if you go to one page on a website and then you leave, um, it's considered a bounce. So where this where you run into a problem is if you're a blogger, say you're you're you know, running traffic to a landing page where you want them to sign up to an email list or take a quiz, and then they get redirected to, you know, active campaigns, standard thank you page. Well, Google Analytics only sees that as one page view, and they might see it as a bounce, right? So there's some other things that you have to do to really understand deeply what people are actually doing on your page. But in terms of out-of-the-box Google Analytics, really being able to understand where your traffic is coming from and um, and you know what what sort of your um, most popular pages are on site can be really powerful information for deciding where you want to spend your time and energy for say a social media platform or when where you want to spend, some money on maybe advertising on the knot or wedding wire or a social media channel or even if you want to invest in seo so again you know you can look at your your analytics and you can start to see the data when you log in 
but when you start to see the data, you want to start asking some questions. So for example, say you log into your Google Analytics and you see that um, organic uh, search, uh, you know, from Google is your highest traffic driver. And you, your second highest traffic driver is Facebook, which you hate. And your third highest traffic driver is Instagram. Well, you can ask yourself a couple of questions that will spark some action around those pieces of data. So the first question you can ask yourself is, should I invest time, energy, and money into uh, hiring an SEO or engaging in, in search engine optimization techniques myself? If my biggest traffic driver is organic search, do I want to leverage that? And the answer might be yes, because oftentimes it's easier to leverage what's working and cheaper to leverage what's working. And it's faster to leverage what's working than to try to fix something that's not working. So what you would do with that information is say you say, yes, I want to invest something in search engine optimization, SEO, whether it's money, hiring somebody or time, you know, just doing some basic optimization techniques. Then you ask yourself another question, right? Like we're really sitting in curiosity here. You say, what do I think I can do to move the needle for my Google Analytics and by when? So SEO takes a long time. So maybe you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to give myself three months and I'm going to start to try to optimize for these three keywords or this set of keywords. And then you figure out how to do it. And when you log into your Google Analytics now, instead of like hopping into the, you know, out of the box dashboard and letting the data wash over you and hoping you're going to get some insights out of it. Now you have an action plan and your key metric that you're looking at for the next three months is whether or not you can get more traffic from Google search because now you're engaging in all of these SEO tactics. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, now I'm looking at my, when you're talking about this, I, I was looking at my analytics and yeah, it makes so much sense because I used to think that I've been getting organic searches from Google and I check it and it says my highest is from Yelp. I'm like, holy crap, what was I doing all this time? I didn't even, I invested so much time and money on Instagram and I don't yes. get anything. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about that. So that was going to be my other thing. So I set it up. I set this. I set this example up on the fly really quickly to try to like handle a couple of different um, scenarios that you might be dealing with. So you're looking at your Google Analytics and you're like, organic is a top traffic driver. Facebook that I hate is driving traffic like WTF. And then Instagram, which I love, and I think where all my couples are coming from, is not a powerful traffic driver. What's going on here? So we know that Instagram as a platform really isn't set up to drive traffic organically from the platform That's as right. you use it natively. And so what you can do is you can say, listen, I, I think in, in dealing with data and analytics, you can take a basic scientific method approach to this. You have a hypothesis, you set up a test, you measure the results, you try to break the t you know, you try to break it, you try to figure out if there's a way where your assumption was wrong, 
um, and then you have a conclusion, right? So, so say you have a hypothesis that a, a lot of your couples are hanging out on Instagram, which is probably not a dumb hypothesis, and that um, you need to elevate your Instagram game in order to get more couples. So you, you know, you can do a couple of things. Maybe you say to yourself, I don't think Google Analytics is a good um, measurement tool for this. I'm going to start looking at my Instagram analytics. I want to see how many saves there are for my content. I'm going to start really paying attention to how many people are DMing me as opposed to using my inquiry form on my website. Um, I'm going to look at different types of content and their engagement levels and see if there's a correlation for an uptick during certain times of the month where I get a lot of DMs of people inquiring about my services and there's a correlation between that and engagement on certain posts, right? So all of this is to say is, maybe Google Analytics isn't the answer and you want to shift and look at the native analytics on a different platform, but the process of asking questions is always the same. It, you know, now I, I want to ask you because you're right. It's, there might be other ways to get uh, data from not Google Analytics, right? So are there any uh, major analytics platforms that other than Google that wedding people should know about? So I, I used to use a lot of native social analytics, um, but it took a long time. And as I scaled my clients, I used Sprout Social for a long time. And now I'm using a platform called Whatagraph. But if you're just a business owner, it it really isn't a big deal to just jump into your in, uh, Instagram analytics and start looking at things. And you can do a lot of tracking on spreadsheets, right? Like all you have to do is is set up a spreadsheet that says, here's the content type. You know, it was a video, it was an image, it was a first reveal, it was a long video, it was a short video, whatever it is, whatever you want to track. And then you just set up columns for what you want to track. You know, here's the date that it happened. Here's the engagement rate for that post. Here's the number of DMs I got that day that were inquiries, right? And you just start monitoring it. Now, I do want to say, like, say you wanted to see if you could move the needle with moving people off of Instagram onto your website, because you think that that's the easiest way to convert people because you have all these galleries and um, case studies and testimonials and whatever awesomeness you have on your website. So then you ask yourself the question, um, how might I get traffic off of Instagram on my website? And you can start thinking about using Linktree in your bio so that you have a whole bunch of things. And, and when, you're, when you're posting, you can say link in bio and it's in the bio. Or the easiest way to drive traffic off of Instagram onto your website is through social media advertising. So there's a lot that you can do with this data, um, but it's, it's up to you to ask some good questions and then make a decision to take action and then set up a time period for, for which you're going to take action. With social advertising, usually I set up two-week time periods. They're called sprints in marketing land. Um, and for longer term things like uh, advertising, like longer advertising campaigns, like things with the knot and wedding wire take a year, things with SEO can take up to a quarter. Um, so you want to 
you want to ask yourself, when do you think you can reasonably start to see results and give yourself that time period? Social media ads, if you're not seeing results in two weeks, stop it. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I was talking to um, Valerie McCartney about uh, Facebook ads in particular, and she was like, you know, boosting posts is one of the worst things that you could ever do because that's just giving them money and they're not going to do anything with it. So all of these analytics will really help people, right? So my question is, for those who know now where to go to for analytics, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure most people will find out where to get these things from, but they won't do anything with it. Do you, do you know why, why that is? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know why, because I'm not in anybody's head, but I have a, I have a sense, um, I have, I have a sense about why this might happen. Um, and this is my personal opinion. So if people think I'm wrong, I just invite them to say, Christy Osborne, you're wrong. This is the reason why I don't blah, 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 blah. Um, but I think it's two things, right? On the one hand, we think that like we have an appreciation for data and numbers, right? And so what we what we're sometimes I think what we're looking for is like the magic bullet, the quick fix, right? We want the formula. We want, you know, we want to we want to be told how to grow our business, how to market our business, whether to boost posts or not. And we believe when we log into Google Analytics that the answers are there, right? Um, and they are, but the, like I said, data is inert. So the answers aren't there without a question. There's no answer without a question. It's, it's a symbiotic relationship, right? And so I think what happens is people will log into their Google Analytics, they see a whole bunch of stuff um, and Google Analytics is tricky, right? Because it, it, it makes your growth metrics green and your your decline metrics red and so if you see a whole bunch of red you might panic and reach out to somebody like me or valerie or or an seo um, and if you see a whole bunch of green you pat yourself on the back so the reason why people don't use analytics is because they mistakenly believe they're using analytics just by looking at data and then i think that there's another um, aspect of any time that you're working in data where there's so much data out there. It's like being on, you know, it's like getting Pinterest burnout back in the day. There's so much there that it becomes overwhelming and you don't know where to start and you don't, you feel like data and math are somehow connected and you're not good with math and you're a creative and, you know, you just want to put your stuff out there and hope it all works. And so I think that there's an overwhelm um, component to, uh, using Google Analytics where people open it up, they see a whole bunch of green and they're like, okay, I'm exhausted and done. And then they close it and go on, you know, shooting video or <laughs> doing whatever they making cakes or doing whatever they do. Yeah. Cause so I that, mean, what's your sense about, about that? So for me, <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> to be honest with you, I just, I, uh, once I open, well, once I type analytics.google or whatever that site is, and I find out that it's working, I already pat myself on the back. I'm like, this is it, guys. We did it. <laughs> because I, 
get so overwhelmed. I, I easily get overwhelmed with information like this, especially if it's something that I've never talked to anyone about. Like, I don't want to... Like, thank God you talked to me about bounce because it once I see bounce rate... I'm on my analytics page, right? And I see bounce rate. If you didn't tell me what bounce rate is... I would have been like, oh, okay, let's, okay, next. It's, I'm not even going to want to research it. So I feel like people have not, we, we don't have that much time to try to learn something about this when we hear our kids crying or we, oh, crap, we need to go to the bank right now. So, yeah, that's that's how I feel. I don't know if it, if, if that's like a common reaction <laughs> So I, I think two things. One, you know, you're, when it comes to a lot of the technical aspect, you're a Google search away from the answer. There's so many YouTube videos. There's right. so many blog posts and stuff like that out there that you can figure it out. But you need to know what you want to do. So here's an example. I'm, I'm not the only analyst in the world. And um, I'm super collaborative. So there's actually an analyst in town um, that works with a variety of different businesses businesses that's way smarter with analytics than I am. And so um, I will bring him on to really complex client accounts um, or I'll just pump him for information all the time. And, um, you know, going back to just how, how you ask a question. So say you're going to outsource something, right? And um, I'm going to hire an, I'm an analyst that's going to hire an analyst because I have a problem I can't figure out. So I don't have to actually know all the technology. I just need to know the good question to ask. So talking about bounce rate, um, I have a client that's running a blog and we need to we need to answer the question, are people reading the blog? So I don't, when I go to somebody who I'm outsourcing to, like another analyst, and I'm like, hey, I want to bring you onto this project. I want to answer the question, are people reading the blog? And so then we have a conversation about what are some of the ways we can tell if people are reading the blog? And one of them, of course, everybody's going to say is bounce rate. But if somebody comes into your blog from Google search and they only look at that page and they only scan the headlines and then they leave because swirl, it's going to show up as a bounce. But they did get a little bit of information and you did get an impression and they did scroll down the page all the way to the end, even though they probably didn't read every word. They probably looked at a lot of pictures and read the headlines. That information is really good to know for a variety of different reasons. So should I cut back on my copywriter writing all this copy because nobody's reading it? Um, should I, are the pictures working? Are they making it all the way down to the vendor credits? And so what we did, and this is a little bit more advanced, but um, I always use a couple of um, additional uh, things with Google Analytics. One is Search Console, which will tell me what kind of keywords people are searching for and entering into my site. So you can set that up pretty easily. You're a YouTube video away. And the other one is Google Tag Manager. Google Tag Manager um, works with Google Analytics and it will allow you to see how people are using your site. So with this particular client, we wanted to answer the question, are people reading the blog posts in their entirety? And so what we did was we overrode the default bounce definition and rewrote the definition to, um, to uh, count a bounce only if they didn't reach a certain scroll length. 
right? So it's, if they could get to three quarters of the way down that blog post page, we counted that as a non-bounce, even if they looked at just one page pretty quickly, right? So now we've, we've asked ourselves a question, we've, or we've asked, the, we've asked a question, we've evaluated the different ways that it can be answered, and then we've taken some action with Google Analytics to set it up. And this is advanced stuff, right? So we don't have to go on and on and on about it. But the point is, is that we, just logging into that client's Google Analytics and telling them that their bounce rate was such and such was completely useless. And it's not until I can understand that people are scrolling at a certain depth where I can start to optimize that blog for a deeper scroll, for example, or for a conversion, or maybe because I'm a blogger and I have all my vendor credits or my, here's something I did for Mountainside Bride. Um, I used to put the wedding video on the bottom. um, And uh, if people don't get to the bottom of the page, they don't see the wedding video and video is really compelling. It's a really compelling piece of content. And so I started moving the wedding video to the top of the page to get more engagement, more time on site. So being able to ask the right question and follow that breadcrumb path um, to action so that you can start to optimize the question is always key. It's the most important piece of being an analyst and using data and analytics. And if you get that wrong, nothing else works right. Oh my gosh, I love that. So question is key, right? I have so many questions question running in my key. head. Okay, so the you're saying that once you get to the analytics page, just so just for the people who who can't wait to get home or are already home and try to log into their thing, the, you're saying the question is what you type on the search bar, right? On the t- very top. Or is it more no, of like no. you ask the, yourself the que- and you look for the information? Yeah, the question is something you ask yourself. So the question is, you know, how do, how do I think I need to move my business forward, right? So the first step that you're going to want to take when you stop listening to this podcast is go ahead and, and, and log into your Google Analytics and start looking at some basic things. there's some basic reports you can look at, right? So like I'm, I'm in the middle of creating this big down download should be ready by the time this uh, publishes, but it's basically the five um, key metrics in Google analytics that every wedding and event pro should be looking at. Right. And it, it's not just about like, what are the core reports, but it's also like, what are some of the questions that you need to ask these reports? Right. So let's talk about something really basic, like demographics. So demographics and interests is something you have to turn on in Google analytics in order to access it. Um, But once it starts cooking, you can look at that report, the, the demographics report. And for most of us in the wedding and event industry, most of us are going to want our websites to skew female between the ages of 25 and 34 years old, right? Because that's, that's who's doing the bulk of the research and the wedding planning. Um, if you are serving LBGTQ plus couples and you work mostly with gay men, that's going to be different for you. If you're in corporate events and you're working with um, middle-aged corporate planners, that's going to be different for you. But basically, you're going to go into your demographics report and you're going to ask yourself, am I getting the right, um, the right kind of traffic just right out of the gate? Another one's location. Right. So you want to you want to look at your G, uh, your geo location and city report 
and make sure that whatever city you're living in, or if you live in a tourist area like I do, your feeder cities, that the bulk of your traffic is coming in from those places. Now, here's a little caveat. If you look at just the default country, most of us are going to see that most of our traffic is going to come from California, Texas, and New York. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that's just the numbers game, right? So you really want to drill down to the city and make sure that you're getting enough traffic from your feeder cities. Does that make sense? Yeah. But 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 right out of the gate, you're asking, is my audience qualified? And if that's the question you approach Google Analytics for, then you can start asking different reports such as your traffic report or such as your geographic location report, is my audience qualified? And it will start answering those questions for you. Okay. So here's another, here's a little advanced tip, right? So you can start layering this data. So say you want to ask, where is my the most of my traffic coming from. Now we're going to go back to our Google Analytics, Facebook, Instagram referral traffic report, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you look and you're like, all my traffic's coming from organic. Well, you can actually run, uh, a, you can create a segment in Google Analytics. And again, you're one Google search away from figuring out how to set this up. I'm not going to bore you with the, techno- the, the technical aspects of it. But you can set up a segment in Google Analytics that says, I want to create a segment of people who visit my site who are between the ages of 25 and 34 and female. And then when you look at your acquisition reports and you see that Google Google, um, organic is sending most of your traffic, you might find that the audience it's sending is not qualified. You might find that the audience that Google um, organic is sending is like, male between the ages of 18 and 24. And you're like, what? So now that starts to tell you, oh, I shouldn't invest in an SEO because it's not driving qualified traffic or, oh my God, why are people accessing my site in this demographic? I need to fix this by hiring an SEO. Okay. So now I want to ask you, so I want to ask you first, Because there's this search bar on top, right? Uh, there's this on, on top of the analytics. W- what do you use that for? Is that just mean? to... There's like a... So it says Google Analytics and then it says all accounts, all website data. And there's this, this search bar on top. And it says like by default, it says try searching how to create an event. Is that, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't really use that that much okay. to be honest. Okay, yeah, good to know. I, Yeah. I mean, I guess you could search for like, I don't know. I've never used that. I set up my own custom dashboards and my own custom segments and reports based on what I want to look at in my business or my client's business that I think will move the needle. Right. So going back to the, the client who has the blog, that client's paying, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a year to, hire copywriters and promote those blog posts and advertise those things. And so we really need to understand whether or not people are reading those blogs and finding them useful. And then also whether or not those blog posts are able to convert somebody into that next step, whatever it is. Um, And I can talk a little bit about Google Analytics engaging that. Um, But 
yeah, I, I know that for me, I guess I should probably play that a little bit more, but I'm so focused on like asking my questions that I think are going to move the needle and then focusing on the, you know, finding the answers and setting up my own dashboards and reports in order to tell me, you know, over my campaign sprint, whether or not I'm able to move the needle that I don't really bother with their, you know, try searching for acquisition overview. It's like, well, that's fine. I can search, but if I don't have the question, it doesn't matter how much I search for right. what kind of reports they have. Okay, that's good to know because uh, this thing has kind of like a similar thing with video editing. So I, I just felt like I needed to ask it just for the people who don't understand. <laughs> well, my next... <laughs> oh yeah. Can we talk a little bit specifically about video tracking? Because videographers have it a little bit tougher. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. yeah now I'm interested because I feel like uh, for video, we get fed all these information. I'm like, oh, great. We don't even have to like check Google Analytics. Well, apparently we have to. But before you answer that, I really want to talk about something that the listeners should know about. The Facebook group that I have created to help wedding business owners figure out specific issues about running their business from sales to marketing to advertising social media no art stuff here just all business i know right it's such a great idea if you're committed to building a wedding business that will last you need to join this group we'll have tips episode transcripts workshop information and many more so i hope to see you there just click on the link in the show notes okay so what's your answer to my question well so yeah so that's the thing like you can see on youtube's analytics um, how many video views you had. Um, you could see the same thing on um, Facebook analytics. You know, there's this uh, graph that will show you where people are, you know, losing interest and dropping out and where people are scrubbing. So I love, love, love looking at video analytics natively in YouTube and Facebook because it will, t it will show me literally where people get bored and like just like scrub through the entire video. So you see all these like peaks and valleys, which can really direct you to whether or not you need to tighten up your content or move certain content pieces around. And again, asking questions, if I do this, can I get something different? But when it comes to your website, you know, your website is is still going to be a conversion machine for you, right? Like I know that there's a lot of attention on Instagram. Instagram's your portfolio. You know, people are reaching out and DMing vendors on Instagram. It's a customer service platform. Um, and I get all that, but I have not seen anybody's analytics that indicates in any way, shape or form that vendor websites are dead. And so for videographers, you want to really, and for any wedding pro, real in event pro, you want to really make sure that your website is able to convert web visitors to inquiries. And with you, because you have so much video in your portfolio, or maybe you have videos on your blogs, or maybe you even have an explainer video um, talking about your process or your couples or testimonials and stuff like that, in order to track how and if and when people are using those videos on your site, you really need to use Google Tag Manager. Um, 
Google Analytics, when you set up goals in Google Analytics, it does have a way to track video views, but you have to set up like an event, which is complicated and old school. And it's really difficult to understand like what information Google Analytics is asking you to put into there to track properly. So Google Tag Manager has made it um, a lot easier. And you can actually, when you go into Google Tag Manager, you choose your universal analytics because you want it to link up with your Google Analytics and you choose a uh, YouTube video, right? And, and if you want to talk a little bit about YouTube and Vimeo and where to put your stuff, um, I recommend YouTube. I know a lot of people use Vimeo because you can brand it and control it and it looks prettier, but listen, Google owns like everything and YouTube is owned by Google and you know, I think that you've mentioned this before, like putting your videos on YouTube helps with um, findability, searchability, SEO, and all those things. So at least put them on, you know, YouTube. But what you can do is you can literally set up a tag that will um, trigger when they start a video. You can also um, set up a trigger that, you know, if you want them to watch at least 30 seconds from on a 90 second video, you can set up another trigger that says, you know, tell me when they've watched a full 30 seconds. And the cool thing about this is in Google Tag Manager, you can only you can decide to only fire this on certain pages. So if your page URL contains gallery, you can set up a very specific trigger to only trigger when people play videos on your gallery. You can set up a different uh, trigger to play videos only on your blog. And then you can set up a different one uh, to, to fire when uh, people only watch your explainer video on your bout page. And what doing this will do is instead of just looking at aggregate video views on YouTube, what it will tell you is it will tell you where people are spending the most time watching video on your website. And if they're watching most of the video on your website, on your blog, again, getting this information, you can ask yourself, well, you know, what's the next logical step they can take from my blog to deepen their relationship and lead them down the road to making an inquiry. Well, maybe you wanna put up a big uh, call to action that asks them to visit your about page to look at your explainer video to talk about how it, what it's like to work with you. Now, because you have different tags and triggers set up for these different parts of your website, you can see two things. You can see one, how people are using video on your website and two, whether or not you're effectively moving them around to the right videos in the right places. You might wanna also put a video up on your inquiry page that says, can't wait to work with you, here's the process, fill out the form, you'll hear from me immediately, you'll get access to my calendar, you can schedule a time for a consult that's convenient for you, and then here's the process. Well, you can set up a trigger to fire when they look at that inquiry video. And so now you can start to uh, get this bird's eye view of not only how video is functioning on your website, but when people are actually on the places that, um, that can help you deepen the relationship with that website visitor and possibly make more money. And you can make better decisions about um, how to move people around your site and, and get that inquiry. Does that make sense? I kind of babbled through that. But oh my gosh, it's insane 
the the I you're blowing my mind right now. I want to know first. Uh is Google Tag Manager free? Yes. Oh yes. Google, most Google products are free except for AdSense and now their um G Suite is no longer free. But yeah, any kind of listen, Google <laughs> Google wants your data as much as you want your data, right? Yeah. So I mean it's not as nefarious. I don't think it's as nefarious as I'm making it sound, but you know, it, the the more data they can get on how people use websites, the the better that they can make their own products and and monetize their own stuff. Yeah, and also I I feel like <clears throat> excuse me, I feel like the the more data they get from people, the better they get to serve them. That's that's how I yeah. look at it because I'm an optimist. <laughs> But yeah, also, as I feel, we all do. <laughs> but I also feel like that's as wedding people. That's that's what we need to remember is that we we're getting data from these people because we want to make sure that, like what you were saying, when, when people drop drop up drop off while they're watching a video in the middle of the video, at least you know that oh, okay, I need to make this video a little bit better because this part. They don't really they're not interested in so i feel or like if that's... They're, or if they're scrubbing right like sometimes you'll get that that um um you know that wave dropping off and it could mean that they've left it could also mean that they're bored and they're scrubbing through the next thing that might catch their i mean come on like we we've all scrubbed through plenty of videos oh yeah so so then then you can ask yourself well, why some you know and this is this isn't just google analytics it's any kind of data that you're getting. Um, a really great place to start is for something like that, uh, drop off and scrubbing is why. So you can start looking at one video. You say, oh, why did they scrub through that? Is it because it's the ceremony part and nobody cares about the ceremony? Or is it because it's the dad's speech and all dad's speeches are alike? And so then you can ask that question and now with that question, you can start looking at and analyzing other videos. And again, you're like one spreadsheet away from pretty powerful analysis. You set up the spreadsheet however you want it. And you're like, you know, for this video on this date, they started scrubbing at this area and this was the content. And you start really organizing um, how you're looking at data to try to answer that question. Why are they scrubbing? And you might find that they're scrubbing because the dad speeches are boring and you might want to downplay that in your, in your um, video. Or you might find that um, they're scrubbing because it's summertime and in the summertime people scrub more because they're, they want to go outside and play. I'm making stuff up here, but the point is, is <laughs> until you ask that question, why are people scrubbing? And then you form a hypothesis. I think it's because dad's speeches might be boring. Then you can't start testing things and gathering more meaningful data to answer the question. I seriously can't wait to hop into this thing and just go all out. Because I, there are videos that I post online. that Because I, I try to be fair to all my couples. I, I, I talk to other people. They're like, I don't post all my couples because I'm trying to get into this particular thing but i i always try to post my couples all of them and some videos surprise me that i'm not really a big fan of like what when we edit it i'm like it's okay but here it goes hope for hope for the best and they get like the most hits or you know people respond they get they engage a little bit more 
so now I can't wait to just go in and see why. Like what what it, what are we doing right, I think. <laughs> you know? So Right. Okay, so I want to so ask here's you. Another, oh, go, this go. Is, I just want to say one thing and this is something that videographers and photographers um have trouble with with um setting up uh their analytics properly and and examining them properly all the time. And this is something that YouTube analytics won't tell you or Vimeo or whatever. Um, unless I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I'm brainstorming here. So I'm sorry if this is a dumb idea, I'll save it for a minute. So here's the problem. You have people watching, you have clients watching your videos, right? And so how do you tell whether or not there's a client watching a video or a prospect watching the video? So we go back to the tag manager. If you're separating out the video views by page URL and on your gallery for your public gallery, that's only for website visitors, then you're going to want to set up a different page URL for your clients for the client gallery so that you can start to separate those video views out, right? Because if 80% of all of your video views or your image views, your gallery views are coming from clients, that's not serving you. They've already paid you. That ship has sailed. That's a done deal. So being able to separate out your client work from your perspective work, you have to have different pages and in, in, in URLs for your clients that you're revealing things to um, so that you can separate that data set out of the aggregate data. One thing that you might want to do as a videographer, and this might be a completely bad idea, I'm just brainstorming. Um, but in the, in thinking about like, how do I separate out these audiences, maybe for your YouTube videos, those are the videos that, um, are your montages and they're only for perspectives. Those are the videos that go on your website and your Vimeo videos are your client videos. And those are locked down oh. and they're private and only clients with a passcode can access those. And then you start separating out that data. Oh my gosh, you're a genius. Wait, you you just thought of this right now? <laughs> yeah. That's oh my how gosh. my brain works. That's that's so smart. Okay, because I was thinking at first, I'm like, man, I gotta make a separate web page for them. I don't wanna do that. We have like five hundred clients. So doing this is way better. I love this idea of putting YouTube because you know, YouTube quality isn't that as bad as compared to Vimeo, like the clients, at least they won't see the difference. Right. So I feel like that's a really, really good idea. I'm, I'm writing that down right now. <laughs> yeah. Tell me how it works. Right? I'll let you I know. I have to tell we could, we could probably have a whole another podcast on all of the campaign <laughs> failures I've had with bad ideas. But the lovely thing about having bad ideas and setting up ways to test them is you start to, you know, you, you get data back pretty quickly yeah. um, that says, don't do that anymore. That's a bad idea. So I'm just going to put that disclaimer out there that I just, yes, I just pulled it out of my butt and it might work. It might not work. You're just going to have to set it up and test it. That's a really good, good idea. So now if no, no. Now my next question is when I when I hop on to the analytics, right? And I see all these stuff. What should I be looking at first? Is there I, like a? I think making sure that your audience is qualified to do business with you is the very first question you should ask all of your data in Google Analytics. Okay, good to know. The second thing is is uh, the second question you can ask is: Is my web traffic prepared to do business with me? 
And the way that you can um, determine that is, um, are they um, hitting your key money-making pages? So if they're on your about page, they're evaluating you, okay? If, they're, if they hit your contact or inquiry page, they're considering you. And then please, for the sake of all things that are holy, when they inquire, send them to a separate thank you page or set up a Google tag in Google Tag Manager, a trigger that is a form submission trigger that tells you that a form was submitted. A lot of people use WordPress and Contact Form 7 and don't reroute to a thank you page. So it just has a little pop-up that says, thank you, your message was received, which is PS so unsatisfying to everybody. Um, but there's no way to track how many people are visiting your inquiry page um, and not inquiring and how many people have actually inquired. So you need to set up a thank you page goal in Google Analytics. Again, you're a Google search away from understanding how to do that. Um, it, or you set up a, a form submission tag in Google Tag Manager because you need to understand if people are converting. But if you look at your Google Analytics today and you ask yourself, are people prepared to do business with me? Um, and you see that your top pages, your top 10 pages are all like rando blog posts and gallery posts. Um, you need to really ask yourself how you can take that information, everybody's going to my blog, and move them to the next logical step in the wedding planning process that deepens the relationship with you, that helps them make a decision to do business with you. So usually if they're on the blog, they're a little bit high on the funnel. They're probably looking for inspiration. And so in that case, you might want to consider having a call to action on your blog that says, visit our about page, visit our galleries page, you know, depending on the the post content, it could be an FAQ page, or it could be an inquiry page. But whatever it is, like if you're if your your top five pages don't include your about page, and your um, and your inquiry page, then uh, you might not be attracting the right traffic that's ready to do business with you. And this gets really tricky. Like if you have that wedding video that goes viral, and people are on your your website, but they're coming in from, from like all over the country, um, they're not ready to do business with you in particular. And so these are some of the questions that you can start to ask your Google Analytics and start to think about how your website is performing, what kind of changes you want to make, both in terms of inbound traffic and in terms of how you optimize your website for that inquiry and sale. Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Because now I, now I could really see how people are i have a thank you page so we have a crm right so the 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 brochure um, the fill out form is from the crm we just put like an html code and embed it and then i made a separate thank you page from the website that we use so now i now i know that i need to track it <laughs> that's great yeah so I don't, and I know we're going on because I honestly, Paul, I could talk about this forever. But the other thing is, is um, what you want to start doing. So you have your thank you page set up and that's great. Um, I won't do any kind of um, paid advertising or campaign management with people until their Google Analytics is set up properly with at least one thank you page goal. So now that you have the thank you page goal, and this is something that has been exciting for me, you can start setting up you can start tracking your links, right? So you just Google um, uh, campaign URL builder 
and Google has this URL builder that has this funny little um, search query. So it's, you know, whatever your URL is, and then uh, a question mark behind that. Um, and uh, uh, it says UTM underscore source, UTM underscore campaign, all this stuff. It's a bunch of gobbledygook for most of us. But what happens is all that gobbledygook that um, gets put in there will automatically pour into Google Analytics. So when you have a campaign source, um, that is usually something like facebook.com or instagram.com. If it's coming from um, you know, a newsletter, you can put newsletter or Google, and then you have a campaign medium, which can be email or any kind of paid advertising you wanna do CPC. Naming this is important because you really wanna use Google's default categories. Um, and if you wanna know what default categories are, you know, if you look at referral, um, it will tell you, you know, like social and you know, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, all this is to say is you can track these URLs and here's something that's super interesting. So you have your thank you page set up and say you're super good at selling and you have a 50% close rate, right? And you're super good at what you do and your clients basically, you average about $10,000 per client, right? So if somebody hits your thank you page and you have a 50% close rate at a $10,000 price tag, or let's just be more realistic, say it's a $5,000 price tag, right? You know that each time somebody hits your thank you page, you can, you can expect to get about $2,500, right? Because you have a 50% close rate, you charge $5,000, 50% of $5,000 is $2,500. So now you know that every time somebody hits you thank you page, you can expect um, $2,500, right? Say people hit your thank you page 10 times during the month, right? Now that's $25,000 that you can expect to make in your business. Here's where the magic happens. So remember how we talked about referral traffic and whether or not the traffic was qualified? I had a client one time and it was a, um, it was a online sales client it was in the wedding industry but they were selling literally selling product online and all of our traffic like the highest traffic generator was pinterest and the traffic coming in from pinterest was qualified and they were moving around the site in the right way and they were converting but when we started to look at the goal conversions and we started to look at campaign source and medium because we tracked all their links, we found a couple of things. We found that the highest conversions that we had, we had conversions on Pinterest, but the highest conversions that we had actually came from Instagram and it came from a Black Friday sale that we were that we were running. Right. So all of this, you know, without some additional setup. You can, you can understand that you have qualified traffic coming from Pinterest, but until you actually set up a goal, like a thank you page goal, and the magic, I believe, because I, uh, I'm just going to say I love money. I love tracking money. I like watching money grow. I like watching all that stuff. If you can assign a value amount based on your close rate and your average customer sale, you can actually use get Google Analytics to A, get a dollar amount for the value of different um, platforms, referral platforms like social media, like Google Organic and see how well each platform converts and buy how much money. And then here's the most exciting thing for me because I'm a marketer, um, we can actually start to project and forecast if we spend 
you know, 50% more of our marketing dollars marketing that Instagram Black Friday sale, can we get 50% or more in sales? And so now we can start um, uh, using our marketing to future pace and actually see if we can make exponentially more money in the business because we know exactly where to put our marketing dollars. Gosh. Okay. The, so that's that's my idea too is um, – well, I, I – at first, our goal was to have um, couples just go to the website and uh, just fill out the form, right? So I don't try to overwhelm them with too much video because I feel like when they go to the website, they've already they they already wanted to inquire, like they they're interested already because they see our stuff on social media, which is what I check on analytics, and then I close the window. <laughs> No, so now what I do is when I do the thank you page, I put like a link back to the blog because now we're doing, we're blogging more now, but it's more of like um, uh, affiliate links. So we're like top five things that groomsmen, you, groomsmen gifts or something like that. And then, you know, just to be able to make money off of the people who don't book with us. I don't know if do you think that's a good idea or do do you think we still need to improve on the way we like I don't want to say trap him but just the way we trap him in the web just to just keep them in our in our company web does that make sense So you send them back to the blog just in case they need inspiration or just to just to just so basically, I love money too. So just basically, it's just to make money off of the people who won't book with us, just in case they don't book. So the thank you page leads them to the blog, which is going to have affiliate links and Amazon links or whatever, like the the stuff that we want to sell to them, just so we get a little bit money off of it. Is that? Yeah, I love that. I love that idea. I love, love, love that idea. I would go about it a little, I would think, I wouldn't go about it differently. I would think about it differently, right? Because I, I think that having, I got told this in graduate school, um, sometimes I talk really fast and, and I go off on tangents and my writing was like that as well. And my graduate professors would always say, you know, mess, messy, messy writings, messy thinking. So I've really try to hone the habit mm. of thinking about something really clearly before I manifest it in the world. So for me, one of the things that you said is um, we we're, we're tracking our traffic and we want to push them to the inquiry page immediately because we believe that they're already interested in us. And I think for you, Paul, that should be your first question that you ask Google Analytics you should ask Google Analytics, can I find evidence, like a disproportionate amount of evidence that the people who are visiting my website already are interested? And again, this is like your your inquiry page and thank you page should be like at the top of the list because <laughs> that's what's going to tell you that they're interested. And then below that should be maybe a gallery and about page. If if all of your web pages are, you know, going to your blog for inspiration, 
and they're they're not hitting the inquiry and thank you page in disproportionate amounts um that assumption may or may not be true might be true might not be true so then you have to start asking yourself okay well how can i track and make sure that they're moving around the site in a way that is um that is displaying that they're interested and already and can i optimize that and then the second thing is you know we didn't talk too much about this but anytime you're trying to figure out like what metrics to look at it really depends on where people are in the wedding planning journey so um, you know, they, there's the inspiration part, which is sort of top of funnel. There's the research part, which tends to be too pronged in the wedding planning industry. Um, they need to research like, what are weddings? Like, like, what? How much does that cost? Like, how many people do I have to invite? Like, all the like block and tackle things that we all know about weddings, they have to learn. And then the second part of their research is which vendors do I want to book? So they go um, from inspiration to research to active evaluation. And this is where they have your website and no joke, five of your competitors' websites opened up all in the same tab. Um, and they're comparing you directly to your competitors. And then if you can pass that sniff test, then they will fill out your inquiry form. And at that point, um, you need to sell them. So what I would say is I agree with you about trying to capture um, money from people who aren't going to book with you, but you don't know until after the client consult whether or not you're going to they're going to book with you. And so what I would what I would think about doing to set up this campaign in that sort of natural wedding planning journey is I would use that thank you page to manage their expectations and set them up for a productive client consult with you. So instead of just dumping them back into the blog, you can still link back to the blog, but have a video of yourself talking saying why you're linking them back to the blog. And then, you know, you might not even want to link them back to the blog. You might want to have some things embedded in that thank you page that you can set up Google tags and see if they interact with them to, to deepen that uh, relationship and get th that inspiration going. But I would just set them up to want to um, book you and to make that sale a little bit easier. And then after the sales call, if they don't book, then I'd come around in the back with a little mini email campaign, like, you know, maybe one or two emails saying, you know, I think that you, I don't know if you'd say, I think you made a fine choice, but, you know, I understand that this is a really um, important decision. And I mean, just say it. I trust that you made the right choice. Um, I really had a great time talking with you. Um, I wanted to leave you with a parting gift. And here is the parting gift. Here are the things, the affiliate links, the things that I think that you're going to find more useful. However, you, you know, flesh out that, that messaging. Um, but once they fill out the inquiry form, any kind of correspondence that you send them or anywhere you send them after that, um, I would want to continue to deepen the relationship with you to set you up for that sale. Oh my gosh. This is so worth it. This interview, I swear to God, this is. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Oh, man. Okay. You, oh, I wish you could just see me because I'm just like writing so many things. But I'll show you I know, later. And we, we're not doing video because I'm in my three day braids and I'm like shy. <laughs> you about look how. great. <laughs> 
So, okay. Um, since I already kind of like brushed on it a little bit, and this is, um, we're, we're nearing the end of the interview <laughs> because I don't want to waste too much of your time. But I want to ask you, um, in the age of social media, right? How important should your focus be on your website? Because I feel like, you know, you just said Instagram's your portfolio. So does that mean I don't have to have a portfolio on my website? Or So how, how much focus should you put on your website and how important should it be in the hierarchy of what you need to have? I think that's a super great question. And I think it's a question that we as marketing professionals and business owners are going to have to ask ourselves all of the time right? We might find, and Facebook tried this and it didn't work, but Facebook wanted for a while, everybody to have all of their website information on Facebook. They had like this Facebook website. It's gone now, but they had this. Like, yeah. Facebook. I remember that. Yeah. You remember that. And so they wanted <laughs> I'm to like, like no. do <laughs> So the thing about that is the, the concern that uh, marketers have about that is that you don't own Facebook or Instagram. And so I think that wherever your audience is hanging out on social media, and right now people are still on Pinterest and they're definitely on Instagram, it's really important to be active on those channels. And it's okay if you're not driving a huge amount of traffic from Instagram. Again, you can set up measurements and metrics, which we talked about to to figure out, you know, how valuable Instagram is vis-a-vis -vis your, your website. But here's the deal. You don't own Instagram and you don't own Pinterest. You And if anything happens algorithmically where things change or where an audience moves on, such as couples are, are moving on from Facebook and they're certainly not on Twitter anymore, if you have built your entire digital um, world around one of these platforms and something changes, you become so, so vulnerable. It's a lot easier to go from, and listen, I've been around doing this for a long time. We used to have like Twitter parties around hashtags on Twitter in 2009 and 2010. Really? Yeah. And nobody's on Twitter anymore. Um, and so I don't get a lot of attention or, or traffic on Twitter anymore, but my website has stayed consistent. And so as people moved off of Twitter onto Facebook, I could start using Facebook and still, you know, have my own website that I owned and I controlled that I could send traffic to. And as people moved off Facebook and on onto Instagram, I still have that website and it's consistent. And because I didn't do any funny business with SEO, uh, it ranks well for Google. Right. So if these social media platforms go away and you don't have a website, then um, lo siento, you know, you you lose. You don't have a business. And then the other thing is, is I do believe that people are still using websites for for the evaluative process. Um, it is part of that overall mix. I look at a lot of clients, Google Analytics and I'm still seeing people looking at the about page. I'm still seeing people looking at FAQ pages. I'm still seeing people looking at the inquiry pages and using those inquiry pages. And so I think your question's a good one. Um, how important is a website for, for users? I'm seeing in a lot of my client analytics that the website is still important. 
I think there's a lot of vulnerabilities relying just on social media. But I also think that what you asked is a really good question to ask every single year. Yes, because every single year, the only constant thing is your email list and your website. <laughs> yes. Which yeah. is another, I have some theories yeah. about that podcast for a different time, but I think that the same tactics we use for email marketing are dying a pretty rapid death. And, but those same tactics can be ported to messenger bots on, on social. So I think messenger bots on social is going to be the new email marketing. But I just like proposed a completely different podcast. So I'm going to just stop talking. <laughs> the, you're right. The The tactics for email marketing... Although you could you could just change the words or anything, but it still comes off to me as really spammy. So I think I have a good feeling about bots, but it's it's is it still in the early stages? Would you say? Yeah, a lot of what I'm seeing, and again, <laughs> your listeners are gonna hate me, but because <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm talking about a different subject. A lot of what I'm seeing still with Messenger Boss, it's all like sort of yes or no information. So it would be like um, you get permission to message them and then you would say, um, you know, you just ask yes or no questions. So are you looking for a videographer right now? Yes or no? No. Do you plan on using a videographer? Yes or no? No. Yeah. Do you plan on, you know, are you in the Cincinnati area? Yes or no? And so what you do is you just kind of like use a decision tree to put them into different places. So for you, you know, if they're not qualified, if they don't live in a local market or if they're not going to hire a videographer, you can dump them into a landing page with all of your affiliate links. If they are looking for a videographer in your local area, you can invite them to hop on a free console, you know? And so, but it's a lot of, they can't, the messenger bots can't understand natural language. So if you're going to use any kind of automation, it has to be yes or no. And then the other way to use as uh, messenger bots is just with customer care and customer service. So we send a lot of like autoresponder emails out for calendar invites and, and con consultation reminders and thank you emails for signing up. And all of that can start to be moved to messenger. So um, you can start to remind people of your client consults through messenger bots instead of hoping that they're going to check their fake wedding email. Yeah. Well, I, I think too that um, the bots are going to have analytics for sure. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. So it's not completely out of the subject. <laughs> nice. Good. Nice so, save, Paul. Thank I, you. Oh, I got you. I got you. <laughs> so now that I'm pretty sure a lot of people are convinced that they need to at least check or play around with analytics, I want them to know from you. How long does it take to learn this and understand? Just so they have a, a they they know that oh I need to set set a week for this or a few days. So how long would it take for you to be able to like understand this? I don't think it needs to take that long at all. I think that anybody anybody can log into their Google Analytics right now and ask the question, do I have a qualified audience coming to my website? And that doesn't take a lot of learning. It just takes looking, you know, making sure that your demographics and interest reports are turned on and you can see the demographics. 
reports and um, that you're just looking at the geography reports. The cool thing about Google Analytics is um, there's a lot of information in there and it can be quite intuitive to look at the data in the graphs. That is um, sort of, it's all, I can't remember, I can't think of the word that I'm looking for, but it's like, it can also be sort of um, uh, give you false confidence because unless you ask that that good question, you're not going to get good answers. So I would say to your listeners, just start going in there and, and asking two questions. One is my audience that's reaching my website qualified. And two, can I see evidence that they're ready to do business with me? And listen, you can go, go into Google Analytics and play. Just look at all the reports, go through them all, just framing up the reports with those two questions. Will this help me answer these one of these two questions? And it's either going to be yes, it will, and here's the answer, or no, it will, moving on. Um, and then you can play around with layering data. I, um, I do have a, a download that kind of gives you like the five things that you should start looking at and some questions, five, you know, reports and metrics that you should start looking at and some questions around them and how to enable all of these reports on Google Analytics if you're interested. I would love to put that link in the show notes if you could give that to me. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, it's um, pretty easy. It's mountainsidemedia.com slash Google Analytics for Wedding Pros. Google Analytics for Wedding Pros is separated with dashes. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see that. So, okay. <laughs> so I feel like, let me know what you think too. And we're almost done, I promise. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, you, you just got me started. And it's, I, love, I really love this topic. So, okay. Um, let me know what you think. I feel like... Google Analytics is different from because my, my my fear is uh, getting like you know social media burnout right I've I've been dealing with that for years like I see all my competitors getting more likes and more blah 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 I feel like with Google Analytics if you concentrate on that more there's less burnout per se because you're just looking at your analytics and you're concentrating on how you could improve instead of like going through Facebook or Instagram and just checking out everyone and seeing how their lives are. How do you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, when I do, when I work with clients and do audits, I do competitive audits on their competitors, social media. And one of the things that I look at just, and you can, you can slice and dice this yourself, but one of the things I look at is I look at a competitor's engagement rates um, and so, you know, you can, we went, we all went through this. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I experimented with, um, buying likes and, and bot messaging and bot liking and unliking because it's my job to experiment with things, um, on Mountainside Bride. And you can see that I have a little under 6,000 followers and like zero engagement because I bought all my followers. Do you know what I mean? Like, so there are ways to see. The other thing about that, though, is that you make a good point about in terms of looking at your analytics. I've had a lot of um, experience <laughs> lately, funny enough, bringing Instagram channels online from scratch, like in 2017, 2018, 2019. Really, really difficult. 
Um, and one of the things that I've really focused on for myself is having a lot of local content, a lot of local hashtags, and really taking the time to find a lot of local people to engage with and interact with. And I will have clients that are really bummed at the slowness of the growth. You know, it takes like a year to get to a thousand followers. But here's the deal. When we look at their analytics and we do do the monthly um, analytics review on something like Instagram, and if you think your audience is on Facebook, like if you're in corporate events or whatever, you can look on Facebook as well. But Instagram and Facebook and Google all have geo uh, metrics. And your competitors might be uh, Kylie Jenner popular and they're not getting any local clientele. Nobody locals looking at their stuff. And you can have a small but mighty audience of really highly qualified couples and vendors who are super local that are ready to do business with you. And so um, the Instagram channels I brought online recently have been in the construction industry. I have a friend who owns an agency that specializes in master planned communities. And I've been, because he's my friend, I've been working with his agency for a couple of years on the side doing these things. And it's, you want to, you think videography is hard to sell on Instagram, try selling a half a million dollar home in California. And we've had a lot, a lot of success on social media, building buzz, responding to customer service comments, driving traffic to the website off of Instagram, getting them ready for the sale. And, and instead of focusing on huge fan growth, which, you know, makes the builders feel good. And sometimes I got criticized for not doing that. I really focused on the quality of audience. And when those builders launched, I had a small but mighty qualified audience of home buyers asking me questions about pricing and schools and model homes ready to go with the sales team. So to answer your question about burnout and looking at your own personal uh, metrics, you never know how qualified somebody else's audience is just by looking at their website or their social media feeds. And if you just focus on making sure that you are targeting an audience that is qualified and looking for signs that they're ready to do business with you, you'll go far no matter how big or small your audience is. I love that. That's that's my my tagline for you. It's just your audience should be qualified because that that really changes the focus for me and I'm pretty sure it's going to change the focus for a lot of people. I hope so. I hope so. Man, it's 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 great. So, last Thank question. Thank you so much for making letting me geek out so hard. I had I had like a a list of things that I thought I was going to talk about and you went so doggone deep with some of the stuff we talked about it was so much fun thank you oh that's great because uh, you know if if you want to talk to me about the other stuff that you wrote on the next podcast i would love to because geeking out for me is i always you know make sure that people that i talk to just pour it on me because i get to learn a lot of things especially when you go deep into a topic and i really appreciate that from you so I love it. My my last question. Can you believe it? It's the last question. Um, so I don't. I don't believe it at all. <laughs> we'll see how this. Pans we'll see. Out. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so okay. So us wedding pros, we have 
uh, a very extensive to-do list, like just like what I was saying, like oh, the baby or you need to go to the bank, you need to go grocery shopping. And in a day, he can't fit everything in there. And then let alone try to learn this, the analytics, right? So what are some easy steps to get started with all of this and how do you continue to make time for it? Because consistency is key as well. Yeah, I think so. I just reread. Um, I can't remember who the author is, but I love this book. I've, I've I read it a couple years ago, and I just reread it. Um, called the One Thing, and Ooh. the the premise of it is whatever decision you're making, um, and typically with the one thing it's, you know, like how to move your business forward or what to do today or whatever. Um, but basically you want to ask yourself, what is the one thing? So let me just back up. So for your audience, you need to look, I want you to look into your Google analytics and ask the two questions. Am I attracting a qualified audience? Are they showing signs that they're ready to do business with me? Right. And so you're going to look at all the reports with those two questions. As you start going through the reports, you're gonna get a sense about things because you're smart, right? And and even though you feel overwhelmed as a small business owner and you feel like maybe you're creative, not an analyst, um, at the end of the day, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're trying to grow your business, if you're curious about like what other techniques you can use to grow your business, you're smart. You're smart enough to do this. So as you start to get a sense in the Google Analytics of what those answers are, I am or am not attracting a highly qualified audience or I'm somewhere in the middle. They are or not are not ready to do business with me or somewhere in the middle. Ask yourself, what's the one thing that I can do or try that will make everything else easier or irrelevant? And once you get an answer to that, then you can just set up a little test or a campaign and work it for a period of time. But it's the one thing, right? So if you think you need more traffic, qualified traffic um, from a certain age group, you can say, you know, where are they hanging out online? They're hanging out on Instagram. What's the one thing that I can do on Instagram that will make everything else easier or irrelevant? Well, if I wanna try to drive traffic from my website, maybe that one thing is setting up Linktree maybe that one thing is setting up a little Instagram ad, right? But to really focus things in, you know, you pick one thing that you think will make everything else down the road easier or completely er eliminate your task list down the road. I love that. So the one thing I've, I usually read when I'm getting so overwhelmed and it's the, the book by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. And I remember just, crashing and just uh getting so burnt out and i bought this book and it really helped me focus and yeah that's exactly what people should do just like what you said and it's crazy like you you get so overwhelmed that you forget that oh if i focus on one thing it's easier and it doesn't seem as intimidating right yes and he's the one that says that um that um, the people who concentrate on like one thing at a time, and I know you're like, I can't concentrate on one thing at a time. I got, you know, like video to edit and color correct and kids to pick up from school. Blah, blah, blah. But if you, 
in your marketing and advertising, you know, because it's easy to get overwhelmed with the social media and the website overhaul and the SEO and stuff like that. If you use your Google Analytics to pick the one thing that you're going to do for the next month or the next three months to test in your marketing and advertising, you will have some wild success because you're just doing one thing in marketing and advertising at a time, right? Because Google Analytics, Facebook Analytics, Instagram Analytics, Pinterest Analytics, all the analytics, they're telling you how effective your marketing and advertising is. So we're just talking about marketing and advertising for the one thing for me. That's great. Yeah, that's exactly what people need to know. You know, for you, you being on this show and um, agreeing to be in a guest to be a guest here. Not only did you provide information to people, you also translated it into English, <laughs> because this is Thank like you. always a foreign language, and the fact that you you can geek out and get paid to do this, man, you're living the dream and you're such an inspiration to people. And I can't wait to meet you in person and just thank you because this is just so inspiring and I'm pretty sure you changed a lot of lives right now. Oh, I hope so. Thank you so much, Paul. It's been super fun. Thank you. So if uh, for the people who want to get in touch with you or see what you're up to, do you mind talking about what you're up to right now and how they could reach you? Yeah. So my website is mountainsidemedia.com. And I promise that I make, I help people be successful uh, no matter what algorithms change. And the basis of that is just asking really good questions. Um, you can also find me on uh, Instagram. I have a personal Instagram and a business Instagram. So personally, I'm at Cosborn Loves, and uh, I spell my last name Osborne, O-S-B-O-R-N-E. So it's Cosborn Loves. You want to see what I'm up to in the mountains. And then my um, business channels are MTN Side Media Co. And that's for both Instagram and Facebook. And I just have to tell you, um, I am really shy about showing up as my like physical self um, online. And so I would love for your readers to hold me accountable. I'm getting ready to start doing more Instagram lives and a little Instagram TV series. Um, so I invite any of your listeners to hold me accountable and DM me and tell me how I'm such a slacker and I need to show up and get online a little bit more for myself and not just give all of my love and energy to my clients. So I invite you all to hold me accountable. I love that. I should do that to end my podcasts too. <laughs> so it's hard. Yeah, it is. So yeah, I'll, I'll hope, hope to see you soon. And all the best to you, Christy. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. I told you that it was going to be a great episode, right? I hope this helps you in adding more value to your service. What makes you different and the only way to get to that level is when you talk to experts who specialize in different aspects of running a business. You have to understand that most people in our industry stop at knowing how to do the skill and then they, someone tells them, oh, you just have to charge more. When they get to the part where they actually have to add value, they quit because it's too much work. That's called the dip. And that's the part where you actually overtake and take the lead. Running a small business is hard work, especially when you're doing it by yourself. 
Fortunately, there's Facebook. If you want to stay updated on future episodes or watch the live video interviews, feel free to go to the Wedding Bossness Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash weddingbossness or join the Facebook group if you have any questions or would want to help others. I'll put all of the info in the notes below. Feel free to reach out and talk to other like-minded bossness people or just let off some steam. Till then... Play nice if you can't win. Be nice, especially if you're good looking. Boss man out. And it's either going to be, yes, it will. And here's the answer or no, it will moving on. Um, and then you can play around with layering data. I, um, I do have a, a download that kind of gives you like the five things that you should start looking at and some questions, five, you know, reports and metrics that you should start looking at and some questions around them and how to enable all of these reports on Google Analytics if you're interested. I would love to put that link in the show notes if you could give that to me that would be great yeah yeah it's um pretty easy it's mountainsidemedia.com slash google analytics for wedding pros google analytics for wedding pros is separated with dashes oh my gosh i can't wait to see that so okay <laughs> so i feel like let me know what you think too and we're almost done i promise <laughs> um <laughs> it, you, you just got me started and it's i love i really love this topic so okay um, let me know what you think. I feel like Google Analytics is different from because my, my my fear is uh, getting like you know social media burnout, right? I've I've been dealing with that for years. Like I see all my competitors getting more likes and more blah blah blah. I feel like with Google Analytics, if you concentrate on that more, there's less burnout per se because you're just looking at your analytics and you're concentrating on how you could improve instead of like going through Facebook or Instagram and just checking out everyone and seeing how their lives are how do you feel about that yeah I mean I I actually when I do when I work with clients and do audits I do competitive audits on their competitors social media and one of the things that I look at just and you can you can slice and dice this yourself but one of the things I look at is I look at a competitor's engagement rates um and so you know you can we went we all went through this I mean I'm I'm just going to be honest I experimented with um buying likes and and bought messaging and bot liking and unliking because it's my job to experiment with things um on mountainside bride and you can see that i have a little under six thousand followers and like zero engagement because i bought all my fault do you know what i mean like so there are ways to see the other thing about that though is that you make a good point about in terms of looking at your analytics I've had a lot of um, experience <laughs> lately, funny enough, bringing Instagram channels online from scratch, like in 2017, 2018, 2019. Really, really difficult. 
Um, and one of the things that I've really focused on for myself is having a lot of local content, a lot of local hashtags, and really taking the time to find a lot of local people to engage with and interact with. And I will have clients that are really bummed at the slowness of the growth. You know, it takes like a year to get to a thousand followers. But here's the deal. When we look at their analytics and we do do the monthly um, analytics review on something like Instagram, and if you think your audience is on Facebook, like if you're in corporate events or whatever, you can look on Facebook as well. But Instagram and Facebook and Google all have geo uh, metrics. And your competitors might be uh, Kylie Jenner popular and they're not getting any local clientele. Nobody locals looking at their stuff. And you can have a small but mighty audience of really highly qualified couples and vendors who are super local that are ready to do business with you. And so um, the Instagram channels I brought online recently have been in the construction industry. I have a friend who owns an agency that specializes in master planned communities. And I've been, because he's my friend, I've been working with his agency for a couple of years on the side doing these things. And it's, you want to, you think videography is hard to sell on Instagram? Try selling a half a million dollar home in California. And we've had a lot, a lot of success on social media, building buzz, responding to customer service comments, driving traffic to the website off of Instagram, getting them ready for the sale. And, and instead of focusing on huge fan growth, which, you know, makes the builders feel good. And sometimes I got criticized for not doing that. I really focused on the quality of audience. And when those builders launched, I had a small but mighty qualified audience of home buyers asking me questions about pricing and schools and model homes ready to go with the sales team. So to answer your question about burnout and looking at your own personal uh, metrics, you never know how qualified somebody else's audience is just by looking at their website or their social media feeds. And if you just focus on making sure that you are targeting an audience that is qualified and looking for signs that they're ready to do business with you, you'll go far no matter how big or small your audience is. I love that. That's that's my my tagline for you. It's just your audience should be qualified because that that really changes the focus for me and I'm pretty sure it's going to change the focus for a lot of people. I hope so. I hope so. Man, it's 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 great. So, last Thank question. Thank you so much for making letting me geek out so hard. I had I had like a a list of things that I thought I was going to talk about and you went so doggone deep with some of the stuff we talked about it was so much fun thank you oh that's great because uh, you know if if you want to talk to me about the other stuff that you wrote on the next podcast i would love to because geeking out for me is i always you know make sure that people that i talk to just pour it on me because i get to learn a lot of things especially when you go deep into a topic and i really appreciate that from you so I love it. My my last question. Can you believe it? It's the last question. Um, so I don't. I don't believe it at all. <laughs> we'll see how this. Pans we'll see. Out. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so okay. So us wedding pros, we have 
uh, a very extensive to-do list, like just like what I was saying, like oh, the baby or you need to go to the bank, you need to go grocery shopping, and in a day, you can't fit everything in there. And then let alone try to learn this, the analytics, right? So what are some easy steps to get started with all of this and how do you continue to make time for it? Because consistency is key as well. Yeah, I think, so I just reread, um, I can't remember who the author is, but I love this book. I've, I've, I read it a couple of years ago and I just reread it um, called The One Thing. And mm. the, the premise of it is it w- whatever decision you're making um, and typically with the one thing, it's, you know, like how to move your business forward or what to do today or whatever. Um, but basically you want to ask yourself, what is the one thing? So let me just back up. So for your audience, you need to look, I want you to look into your Google analytics and ask the two questions. Am I attracting a qualified audience? Are they showing signs that they're ready to do business with me? Right? So you're going to look at all the reports with those two questions. As you start going through the reports, you're going to get a sense about things because you're smart. Right. And and even though you feel overwhelmed as a small business owner and you feel like maybe you're creative, not an analyst. um, At the end of the day, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're trying to grow your business, if you're curious about what other techniques you can use to grow your business, you're smart. You're smart enough to do this. So as you start to get a sense in the Google Analytics of what those answers are, I am or am not attracting a highly qualified audience or I'm somewhere in the middle. They are or not are not ready to do business with me or somewhere in the middle, ask yourself, what's the one thing that I can do or try that will make everything else easier or irrelevant? And once you get an answer to that, then you can just set up a little test or a campaign and work it for a period of time. But it's the one thing, right? So if you think you need more traffic, qualified traffic um, from a certain age group, you can say, you know, where are they hanging out online? They're hanging out on Instagram. What's the one thing that I can do on Instagram that will make everything else easier or irrelevant? Well, if I want to try to drive traffic from my website, maybe that one thing is setting up Linktree. Maybe that one thing is setting up a little Instagram ad, right? But to really focus things in, you know, you pick one thing that you think will make everything else down the road easier or completely er- eliminate your task list down the road. I love that. So the one thing I've, I usually read when I'm getting so overwhelmed, and it's the, the book by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. And I remember just crashing and just uh, – getting so burnt out and I bought this book and it really helped me focus and yeah that's exactly what people should do just like what you said and it's crazy like you you get so overwhelmed that you forget that oh if I focus on one thing it's easier and it doesn't seem as intimidating right yes and he's the one that says that um that um the people who concentrate on like one thing at a time. And I know you're like, I can't concentrate on one thing at a time. I got, you know, like video to edit and color correct and kids to pick up from school. Blah, blah, blah. But if you, 
in your marketing and advertising, you know, because it's easy to get overwhelmed with the social media and the website overhaul and the SEO and stuff like that. If you use your Google Analytics to pick the one thing that you're going to do for the next month or the next three months to test in your marketing and advertising, you will have some wild success because you're just doing one thing in marketing and advertising at a time, right? Because Google Analytics, Facebook Analytics, Instagram Analytics, Pinterest Analytics, all the analytics, they're telling you how effective your marketing and advertising is. So we're just talking about marketing and advertising for the one thing for me. That's great. Yeah, that's exactly what people need to know. You know, for you, you being on this show and um, agreeing to be in a guest to be a guest here. Not only did you provide information to people, you also translated it into English <laughs> because this is Thank like you. always a foreign language, and the fact that you you can geek out and get paid to do this, man, you're living the dream and you're such an inspiration to people. And I can't wait to meet you in person and just thank you because this is just so inspiring and I'm pretty sure you changed a lot of lives right now. Oh, I hope so. Thank you so much, Paul. It's been super fun. Thank you. So if uh, for the people who want to get in touch with you or see what you're up to, do you mind talking about what you're up to right now and how they could reach you? Yeah. So my website is mountainsidemedia.com. And I promise that I make, I help people be successful uh, no matter what algorithms change. And the basis of that is just asking really good questions. Um, you can also find me on uh, Instagram. I have a personal Instagram and a business Instagram. So personally, I'm at Cosborn Loves, and uh, I spell my last name Osborne, O-S-B-O-R-N-E. So it's Cosborn Loves. You want to see what I'm up to in the mountains. And then my um, business channels are MTN Side Media Co. And that's for both Instagram and Facebook. And I just have to tell you, um, I am really shy about showing up as my like physical self um, online. And so I would love for your readers to hold me accountable. I'm getting ready to start doing more Instagram lives and a little Instagram TV series. Um, so I invite any of your listeners to hold me accountable and DM me and tell me how I'm such a slacker and I need to show up and get online a little bit more for myself and not just give all of my love and energy to my clients. So I invite you all to hold me accountable. I love that. I should do that to end my podcasts too. <laughs> so it's hard. Yeah, it is. So yeah, I'll, I'll hope, hope to see you soon. And all the best to you, Christy. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. I told you that it was going to be a great episode, right? I hope this helps you in adding more value to your service. What makes you different and the only way to get to that level is when you talk to experts who specialize in different aspects of running a business. You have to understand that most people in our industry stop at knowing how to do the skill and then they, someone tells them, oh, you just have to charge more. When they get to the part where they actually have to add value, they quit because it's too much work. That's called the dip. And that's the part where you actually overtake and take the lead. Running a small business is hard work, especially when you're doing it by yourself. 
Fortunately, there's Facebook. If you want to stay updated on future episodes or watch the live video interviews, feel free to go to the Wedding Bossness Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash weddingbossness or join the Facebook group if you have any questions or would want to help others. I'll put all of the info in the notes below. Feel free to reach out and talk to other like-minded bossness people or just let off some steam. Till then... Play nice if you can't win. Be nice, especially if you're good looking. Boss man out.